Hey guys, this is Field of Vapor. Hey folks, this is Pete Bissardo. Hey guys, this is Ruby Roo, and you're listening to Smoke Free Radio. Welcome to another edition of Smoke Free Radio. As you can tell by my voice, I'm a little bit under the weather, but I couldn't go back-to-back weeks without hanging out with you, the lovely audience. Plus, we have a lot, a lot of stuff to talk about as the shit has hit the fan once more. Uh, And I use that term a lot, a lot lately, but uh, it's the truth. And if you don't see it uh, around you, uh, I really don't know what I can do to open your eyes Three four seven three zero eight eight three two nine. Press one if you have any questions or comments during tonight's broadcast. Uh, before we get into some specifics, let me go ahead and bring in my lovely co-host, the wonderful M Vapes, uh, joining us all the way from across the pond. M, what is going on? Hello. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Wonderful. Oh my, your audio sounds fantastic. What the hell happened? Does it really? It really does. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's really, really good. I'm trying to figure out, for some reason, my speakers aren't going through the right place right now, and I don't know why. Well, whatever you're doing, it sounds great, so don't mess it up. How about that? Okay, I'll try not <laughs> that's, to. That's good. So what's up? How's your, I missed you last week, we didn't do an episode, so how you been? I've been doing all right, not too bad, just working mostly this week, trying to get caught up on bills. What's going on in the world of vaping for you? Um... Pretty much the biggest thing that happened over here is Denmark with the TPD implementation that they've announced. Yeah, we're going to talk about that a little bit later on on the show. Yep. Uh, other than that, are you in a happy vaping place? What are you vaping? Oh, of course. Tell me of course what you're I'm still stuck on my, my Kanger sub-tanks. Sub-tank? I've got the mini one now. Uh, no difference than the big one, right? No, none at all, but I love it. Really? Yeah, I do. Uh, what device do you have it on? Um, it's on a gravity mod. A gravity mod. Ooh, so fancy. 
I know. What kind of juice are you vaping? What's up? What what kind of juice are you vaping? I've got Kraft Vapes, um, Miss Pennyworth Elixir, the Monkey's Breath. Before you plug anybody, we're going to have to ask for 2% on the equity from now on. I just want to put that out there. <laughs> 2% equity in your company if you want M to mention you on the show. No kidding, right? Okay? I mean, that's, uh, that's, I mean, that's just the way it should be. If everybody else is doing it, why not? <laughs> uh, first of all, let me talk about the uh, the VCC in Tampa, which I attended this past weekend. Always a wonderful event. And one of the events that, if you don't know, I have committed since day one, uh, when Kevin first approached me with the idea of doing the vaping convention circuit, uh, a lot of time uh, focused on advocacy. Uh, all the vendors were really happy. It was a very busy event. I attended, of course, representing Mountain Oak Vapors. I was working there. I wasn't there as a vape personality as I go some other meets. So uh, it was a lot of work, a lot of people, a lot of uh, business-to-business industry. And, and, of course, you know, we, we got to spend a lot of time um, you know, doing some good advocacy work and raising a lot of money. Uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the tab of it. It was double the size than it was last year, and I think double the amount of people that came through as well. Um, but I do want to bring on Kevin Skipper. I think he's uh, holding patiently here on the telephone lines. Uh, good evening, Mr. Kevin. Hey, how's it going, Dimitri? Uh, um, how are y'all? Uh, I'm doing wonderful. How are you? Are you are you rested up a little bit after the weekend? Uh, the break lasted about, like I told you earlier today, about five minutes, and then phone started ringing, email started coming in, so well, not too much, but I'm get, getting there. Getting ready for Pennsylvania, which is a great thing. I think that now with a bill that's on there, which I'm going to talk about later on, I think it's a good time to bring everybody together and maybe maybe even, even start a, a smoke-free association up there in Pennsylvania. I think it's needed. Uh, none of the vendors have done anything yeah, out there. absolutely a great idea. Nothing. I mean, nothing. They haven't done anything. I know that, that Joe Barnett from the militia has been trying to get the vendors activated there. I know they're trying to start a SFADA chapter. And there seems to be some hesitation. I'm nothing against Fada and, and these chapters. I have. I mean, if you do, if you're gonna do something, just do something, right? I mean, that's my attitude about it. But I think there's a lot of misconception about what Fada is, and it's it's a difficult sell. I think it's an easier sell for states to create their own chapters, their own associations, which they can do some advocacy within the state and some education of the politicians, which is lacking horribly right now. Yeah, I absolutely agree, and I think um, the SFA is a great model, and of course. Being as um, I'm the president of Vista, I think that the structure we have set up now, where the states are doing the FSAs and we're we're charging them a state membership fee to join Vista, and then we find a lobbyist and supplement that by getting other members uh, from the vaping industry from each state on board. I think it's a great model, and and hopefully it continues to spread. It's uh, you know most of the vendors that I talk to, Kevin, you know they they're trying to run their businesses. A lot of them are small moms and pops operations. And uh, and they can't keep you know they can't keep up with what's going on where to give money and I understand that I get it you know I, it, it's difficult trying to be on top of everything even some of these businesses that have grown into multi million dollar companies they haven't set the structure right to be a corporate entity to have people that are actually dedicated to do government affairs or or to keep up with what's going on state legislation and so forth which I think is needed extremely especially for the big for the big guys that are out there I can't. I just can't accept when a $10, $20 million company tells me, well, I didn't know about this conference there. I just think that's unacceptable. Am I wrong to assume that, Kevin? No, I, I absolutely think that you're right. I think that, um, that businesses have a duty to be involved in advocacy. It should be an aspect of their businesses just like marketing is. So uh, marketing, business development, um, growth strategies, and one of those should be to protect your business strategy, which is where um, the SFAs and uh, the VISTAs come in so that we you don't really even have to know anything about advocacy or lobbying. All you have to do is join, and we'll take care of the rest for you. 
That was what that was my kind of my idea with the the advocacy summit that we launched in Chattanooga, which I thought was a, was a huge success uh, for the, for the first step that we did there. Um, and 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 we did the same thing down in Tampa as well. I think we had just a fantastic panel. I mean, I was honored to be among those you know those political and advocacy brilliant minds that were up there. Um, Azim Chowhury, of course, the FDA attorney uh, representing the ESIG industry. Pamela and Brian from Enjoy. Uh, Jamie Miller and um, and um, what's his name, Kevin from from Capital Access. Jerry Paul from Capilac. Jerry Paul and Jamie Miller, and of course UNTD from Vista. Uh, we also had Representative uh, uh, Julie Wessner and uh, Alex Clark from uh, from uh, CASA, uh, Joe Barnett from the Vaping Militia, uh, Gregory Conley from the AVA, and uh, um, Paul. From, we had Paul Blair. Paul Blair from the, uh, from the American, Americans for Tax Reform. Americans for Tax Reform. It was just, a, just an absolutely fantastic panel. And um, and before we get started with this, uh, we do we did videotape this entire session. Uh, yet the audio is a little bit sketchy. I, I'm downloading it now. If I have some clips ready to play at the end of this uh, show, I will. Uh, but we will edit it out and put it up there on YouTube for people to to see that can attend. And before we get into specifics of what happened in the advocacy session, I have to say once again and again, uh, a Chinese manufacturer uh, sponsored this along with Halo. Uh, and I know Halo's caught a lot of flack lately for for some of these lawsuits that have come up and all that, but. At the end of the day, they're the ones that sponsored this advocacy summit right there. So it's it's a bit refreshing to see a Chinese manufacturer and maybe a company that hasn't been involved in the community. Like, you know, Halo, Halo, I don't think, has been involved in the community as much as, you know, a lot of the other companies that are out there. It's nice to see them at least sponsor this advocacy summit. Yeah, I think Halo is um, changing their their strategy. They're, they're already contacting me about future events for VCC, and they were really excited to be a part of the Industry Advocacy Summit. So this is exactly why we started when, when you and I talked about doing – it started off as talked about doing a vendors meeting before the mm-hmm. Tennessee uh, event last October, and it's kind of evolved into something bigger and better, and um, which is fantastic to get companies that weren't previously involved to get them involved in advocacy and in fighting for our for fighting for vapors' rights and their rights to continue as a business, and also the consumers who use their products. So I think you know the idea that we had was a great idea, and we've turned it into a reality that's blossoming. And I I think it's fantastic. It's honestly my favorite part of the VCC event. I mean, everything else part of the the event, seeing the vendors and the vapors happy, and everyone um, doing business and vapors finding new products and getting smokers in the door and tobacco users in the door and getting them off of tobacco products is great. But in order for us to continue that trend, we have to get businesses involved in support advocacy and, and lobbyist efforts and um, all the things that go along with uh, being a responsible industry. It's uh, it's easy for you because you're sitting down your butt through the entire thing, but I'm the one walking around. Uh, I just want to point that out there. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, it, it, it was hard trying to moderate the, the entire conversation because we had so many people out there. You only can allocate as much time, and I wanted to turn to the audience for some questions as well. Uh, but, you know, overall, I have to admit, Kevin, that once again, I was disappointed with the turnout. Yeah, well, I think it was slightly better because the room is larger and we have more seating than Tennessee. Still slightly better than we had in Tennessee, so a few more people. However, the room was still probably a third or, or half empty. And we had sold out um, the free seats. It was free seating because Anakin and Halo did sponsor the event and the dinner that followed it. Um, so I sold them all out, and I know that you were answering questions about how can I get in. I was answering probably two or three questions a day about can I still get in, even though the, the tickets are gone. And obviously I said, yes, we'll try to accommodate everybody, and um, still it wasn't full. So, um, 
I think we're getting better. I think it's going to take a little time. I know it's frustrating for you and I, for instance, who deal with advocacy issues every day and, and trying to get people involved. It is extremely frustrating. But I think as long as the trend is continuing to be positive and, and upward, then at least it's going in a positive direction. I, 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 I know you're trying to get the positive out as well. Don't get me wrong. You're always positive. I'm always negative because that's just who I am. You know, I just yeah. see that vendors that were there <laughs> attending the VCC uh, we're at the hotel, at the bar, getting drunk, where they could have been there, you know, listening to what these people had to say. I mean, this is free advice and free guidance from some of the most brilliant minds. And there's no excuse, at least for the vendors that had signed up, not to participate in this event. That pissed me off. I'll be honest with you. Uh, on a bright note, you know, we did get some people that have never attended one of these advocacy sessions. And to me, even if it was just two or three of them, that, that was the first time there. Uh, it made it worth my time and, and volunteering my time to do this. Aaron from Space Jam was there. This is the first time I've ever publicly seen him attend any kind of advocacy. And he even stood up and he said that we have done a poor job uh, and now we're ready to, to jump into the fight and jump into the race and see what we can do to help. So that was a positive. Like, that was a, that's something positive that I got out of it. Uh, the Five Pong guys were there. I mean, you saw some of these that, that, that I've criticized publicly, even though they're my friends. Okay, don't get me wrong. I hang out and I have beers with him and, and, and we chat and we have a good time. I'm not bashing anybody by no means, but I'm just saying what the reality is. The reality is they have not participated in, in, in advocacy sessions like this, and they have not made it public what they're trying to do with advocacy, which I think is important to guide and also for your customers to see that you're doing your f fair share and your part to keep this industry alive as a respect not only to your business and to your livelihood, but also, of course, to your customers. Yes, I absolutely agree. And it, I'm not saying I'm, I try to keep a positive spin on it, but I absolutely was disappointed by the turnout. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. For sure I was. Maybe if we offer free proveries for the vendors on the next one. No, I think that they can all afford uh, <laughs> any PV that they want at this point. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just tossing ideas out there. I don't know. Um, so, okay, the advocacy session went on pretty good. I, we had some, we had some, some, some Q&As. Uh, you know, we, we had some really good questions, and we really had some groups representing out from Texas and Arkansas, some of the guys that stood up and talked. It was, it was some really good feedback. Um, what is one thing that you took from, from that advocacy session that, that really impressed you? Um, I, again, I would have to go back to the panel. I, I don't think I've ever seen or heard of, a, of such a, a broad spectrum of probably the best advocacy minds in the country in one place at one time. I thought that was incredible. And the dialogue between the panel itself was fantastic. The, we, we all understand from our perspective that we're going to have to work together and that no one entity is going to be able to save the industry in advance to cause of vaping. So I think that the um, interplay between them and the cooperation between the people on the panel, including Pamela and Brian from Enjoy, mm -hmm. um, who are their advocates, but they're advocates for their company, but they also have a strong passion for the vaping community. So I think that it's great. And if we can get more people like that, Azim, I thought he did a great job, by the way, right, explaining the right, FDA right, regulations right, from the, right, right. and doing the federal standpoint. That's the first time I've ever met him uh, in person. We spoke a few times, you know, a month prior to the event, and he was inquiring if he could come down and be on the panel. I said, yeah, absolutely. I think he'd be a great addition to speak about the federal and, uh, aspect of it and the FDA regulation. So I guess just the broad spectrum of, of advocacy minds that we had there and the interplay and the cooperation between everybody, if, it, if, it was if, great. If we could time it, I think if, if we can learn anything from the next, uh, next time that we do it is maybe we space it out and do like a federal segment, maybe a state segment separate, because we really don't have enough time. 
by the time we get through with all the, the panelists and, 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 and trying to get a good discussion going, I mean, you got two, three hours that just passed just like that. So we'll, I think we're going to fine-tune it. I told you I want to call you before we, we plan the next one to make sure that we, we fine-tune some things that, that can really benefit us. You know, what I found interesting with Azim is, you know, there were some national vendors and some national manufacturers and size for him laying down the law, you know, and what's happening on a federal level. I think it was great, and it really ra- ra- raised awareness. And I also brought up a couple of points. I don't know if you caught it where, where I kind of called out a couple of the manufacturers that, that were spending a couple hundred thousand dollars on, on, on clean room labs and ISO labs and all this stuff. Uh, you know, barring the fact that we don't actually know what's going to be required by the FDA right now. You know, you could take that $200,000 and put it in a state fight right now, which is much more important than the federal level. And, and, and I think Azim reinforced that when I asked him that as the deeming regulations sit now, how many companies do you think could survive? And he said, what was his answer, Kevin? <laughs> Um, he said two. I think it was less than ten. He said, yeah, yeah RJR and Altria. That's basically what he said could could, could surpass mm-hmm. the, the regulation right now. Big tobacco, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I think, that's, I think that's one thing that vendors need to realize. You know, I, from a marketing standpoint, and if you want to improve your company, I understand it. There's nothing wrong with getting an ISO lab in a clean room and, and keep improving your, your manufacturing practices. But right now we are hurting desperately on a state level. And I think that's where not only in their own state should these manufacturers invest in, but they also should invest to other states as well, too. The ones that don't have representation, um, if you are, let's say, five ponds, I'm just using that as an example, I send my juice to every state, right? So I have to make sure that all these states have the right and the ability to distribute my e-liquid. So if I see, for example, Indiana is lacking right now, these big manufacturers should put some money into the lobby representation of this particular state, which... Uh, if everything goes as as it's as it's going right now in Indiana, they won't be able to distribute. Correct. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I think that, um, and, and I do think over the coming days uh, we will see more involvement from some of the larger companies um, that distribute to more than more than just one state. You know, multiple states or the entire country. And I think I think it was a direct result of the industry advocacy summit and other events that took place at BCCT fifteen. Um, to the point, though, of changing it for next time, I think that um, also we should probably do it not on the same day as set up because uh, I understand how hard these vendors are working to get stuff set up in a five or six hour window. Right. And at the end of that time, it's probably so I think I don't know what the solution is yet. We'll talk about it more over the coming next few months and try to figure out a better time when people are relaxed and and. Um, not having to rush to get a booth set up. So I know. Maybe, I know. Maybe I was it, exhausted. Maybe it's, some, maybe it's time that we. Maybe it's time that we just do an industry advocacy summit. Period. Sure. Sure. I think that's a great idea. I think it's needed desperately. And you know, a lot of events preach that they do a lot of work for advocacy. It's bullshit. No, nobody does advocacy like you do with a VCC. And I have to. I have to commend you for that. And I have to tip my hat off to you because a lot of people preach it, but nobody really does anything of substance with it as much as I've seen with a VCC. Now, take the advocacy aside. Let's talk a little bit more. more some more events that happened that week, and of course, the the um, the formation of the um, the Florida Smoke Free Association had, was huge, huge success. I think they raised over thirty-two thousand dollars that weekend. Uh, I, I think the total for everything on the weekend was between twenty-five and thirty thousand. But for the FSFA launch alone, it was I think seventeen, around seventeen thousand, which is great. I mean, that's a great start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and also you raised some money for the for the various uh, organizations as well. Yeah, we were able to distribute. Uh, I think the FSFA raffle raised uh, twenty five hundred for the industry advocacy summit uh, people that were there in attendance, and also um, 
Immortal Fog did their own raffle where they raffled off a PlayStation 4, and they were able to raise around $3,000. So they're going to be distributing that those funds sometime within the next week, week and a half, uh, once Bill Hicks, he's the gentleman that uh, owns Immortal Fog, gets back to the state of Washington and uh, gets the checks sent out. So a total of $5,500 roughly for the um, advocacy groups that were there in attendance. That's, that's, that's just direct, direct yeah. funds that can help. That's fantastic. That is, that I think is, the largest yeah. yet that VCC has been a part of. Yeah, yeah. And, and VCC overall was a huge success, double the size than it was last year in Tampa, and I think double the amount of people that came through the doors, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. Yeah, almost exactly double. Last year we had about 3,500 people through the doors both days. This year it was about 7,000 people through the doors both days. Uh, so what's next now? Well, I guess we've got Pennsylvania coming up. Yep, next is Pittsburgh at the David O. Lawrence Convention Center, and that's June 13th and 14th. Um, Getting a lot of interest in it already. We have a couple of sponsors on board with more coming in, more inquiries every day. So I think the break is going to be short-lived, but that's that's fine. Um, we'll see what we can do to get the people in uh, Pittsburgh and the surrounding states uh, a nice convention in their area where they can come in and um, hopefully bring – some tobacco users with them as well that's always my goal everyone bring one tobacco user with them or you know at least tell people about it who you know use tobacco so that we can get them in the doors and expose them to the vaping community and all the great products that are out there to get them off of and keep them off of tobacco you're killing me because i have uh i have Svada early june excuse me early may then i have london in june then i have vcc in pennsylvania i mean you're killing me you're killing me smalls <laughs> My wife's going to kill me. <laughs> I'm thinking about actually going to that Safada Summit if I can get in on it. Yeah, I think that would be yeah. a great uh, – I just saw today that um, Stefan uh, posted in the Casa group yeah, that yeah. Um, Zeller. Zeller is going to be there. So, I, yeah, I definitely want to go check that out if I can if I can swing it. Well, I was there last year, and it was a wealth yeah, of information, and there was not, not again, a, a very poor representation of the industry. But now with uh, some of these big names announced, I, I hope that we have thousands of vendors there this year. Um, it's it's got tons of information and and mostly you know legal and uh, and FDA regulation uh, uh, talk, which is very very important for some of these these big name uh, distributors and vendors in the country. I hope I hope a lot of people attend. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure with uh, Mitch Zeller being there that um, a lot more country companies will have interested in it. And hats off to Safada for for being able to accomplish that. All right, and, we, and before I let you go, we have to talk about the most important event that happened mm -hmm. this weekend, and that was the inaugural poker tournament uh, that was held at the Embassy Suites. Uh, that was the night before the summit. Uh, approximately 20 players bought into this tournament, and I kicked everybody's ass. Why, did you, why, why didn't you mention that? <laughs> uh, that's not the way I remember it happening. No. <laughs> well, that's exactly how it happened. Uh, it was actually really fun. I'm seriously, I seriously would like to organize one of those the day before, set up every every time from now on because that was incredible amount of fun. I had a great time playing with everyone that was there and meeting new people. You, you see people online and you talk to them, you know, vaguely, but you don't really get a chance to meet them and know them until you really play poker with them. That's my right, opinion right. anyway. And I thought it was a it was a great fun. And you did come back from. On the, the rail yes, to yes. splitting first place. So that was yes. pretty fantastic. Though I think you probably had a little bit of Greek luck with you. <laughs> well, my, my wife's asking me where's her money. And I said, I spent it drinking afterwards. I bought everybody drinks afterwards. <laughs> I put it right back into the economy from, 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 one, from one side to the other. <laughs> All right, Kevin. Vapingcc.com for more information. Once again, congratulations on a successful event. And uh, look forward to, to more in the future. All right? Hope, hopefully you're not uh, too worn out by the time Pittsburgh comes around. <laughs> yeah, I'm always worn out, so no difference there, buddy.
All right, man. We'll see you soon. Take it easy. Say hi to Olga and the rest of the crew for me, okay? I will. All right. Have a good night. So, um, you know, it was it was a great event. And, and I mean, from what you heard, it, it's it's probably 10 times better than what I'm trying to explain. If you're not there, you can't really get a feel of how much Kevin and his entire crew put into advocacy and how important it is to them. Yeah. But again, I get frustrated. I get frustrated when when we're in a room. These guys are all like, you know, the cream the creme de la creme of of advocacy and and, and legislation. And and you see a room that's half empty it with after so much hard work went in to to organize it and get these people there. You know, it frustrates me. Yeah. Definitely. Especially when, yeah, the half empty room thing. I saw the pictures of that one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I was yeah. actually kind of shocked about that. I figured there'd be a lot more people there. Yeah. I, me too. I expected this one to be much busier than, than the Chattanooga one, especially being in Tampa. I actually saw some vendors in the lobby. I will not call them out, but I saw some vendors. Uh, I, I was there early and I helped the guy set up the booth from Mountain Oak Vapors. And it was, you know, it took us six, seven hours. It wasn't easy. And then I went to the to the hotel, took a quick shower, and then changed into my suit. And as I'm walking down to go across the bridge to go into the convention center, I saw vendors in the lobby. And and I'm like, where are you, where are you going? And they're like, oh, we're going to go have drinks. I said, you're not coming to the advocacy summit? Or the other guy said I had to go somewhere and, you know, buy batteries or something. He had like eight people with him. I'm like, does it take eight people to go batteries with you? You know, so, mm-hmm. you know, I... I I was disappointed to see that, especially for the people that were there, right? You know, you sign up to come, you don't show up, whatever. Okay, you didn't come. But the people that are actually vending there, and I'm talking about some big companies, I mean, just let them give a shit. You know, I mean, everybody everybody there's working to try to educate and get them more involved in what they can do in their states and what they can do on a federal level, and uh, complete apathy. Yeah. It's the same thing over here, though, and I've kind of made it my little goal recently that I don't buy from any company that doesn't participate in any kind of advocacy work yeah, at all. That, that's great. That's great, and I think there's there's more movement. I think Casas kind of implying that lately with with uh, with uh, some of the marketing that they're doing. Uh, we're trying to to do it down here with the Tennessee Smoke Free Association. Just make the vapors aware. Uh, we're not trying to you know strong arm anybody to do. I mean, but the vapors should be aware of who is contributing and who is trying to save this product. Uh, I think one of the big, biggest uh, one of the greatest points during the the, the presentation uh, at the advocacy summit was when Pamela Gorman she made a really nice brief speech to the vendors saying, it, "You took you know all your livelihood, your blood, sweat, and tears, and you put it into this business. Uh, people left their corporate jobs. People that were there in the audience that said, you know, we left our corporate jobs to start up a shop. Blah blah blah. You know, you've invested everything, right? Yep. And, but most of all." What you have invested is how many out there, and even the guys that are listening to this live or on a replay that you're a vendor, how many times has a customer come in and literally crying tell you that you saved their lives by helping them quit smoking? (coughs) Pardon me. How many times has that happened? If anything else, forget about all the financial, you know, losses or gains or anything that you might lose with this. That feeling to me after five years, Em, when, when somebody comes up to me and says, thank you, thank you for helping me, thank you for doing this for me, you helped me quit smoking, it's still the most rewarding part of what I do in this community. And as a vendor, you should appreciate that. And, and, and if there's anything you might be missing if you are shut down by the government, it should be that. And vapor should be aware. So is the same over there? I mean, is it the same in the UK? Is it, is it, do you see that same kind of apathy? Kind of. You know, a lot of the smaller companies over here are more involved in advocacy than the bigger ones. Um, 
we have ACETA, the Electronic Cigarette Industry Trade Association over here, and they've got the majority of the largest companies in the UK, and we don't really see a lot of stuff coming out of them. So a lot of the, the advocacy work that we do see is always a small group of vapors and then the vendors that are involved in supporting them. And there's quite a few um, that actually, you know, they get involved. They're on Twitter. They're on Facebook, you know, posting up studies and, and saying, you know, this is what my customers need to see. And even like um, a couple of weeks ago, going into a couple of shops here in town and talking to some of the vendors there and they're like oh yeah we definitely you know make sure that our customers know what's going on with the tpd and and that if they don't get involved with advocacy you know in what is it now it's seven eight months away before some countries over here are are implementing it Mm -hmm. and stuff's gonna get banned i tell people all the time because we have i don't know if you guys do it over there in the states but we have like market days Uh it's kind of like the farmer's market and you get a lot of a lot of stall owners that don't even know what the TPD is. And so I'm constantly giving them a rundown. Yeah, in a couple of months, that stuff's going to be banned if you don't do anything about it. And they're like, oh, my God. And I get emails constantly asking what they can do and where they can go to read stuff to find out what's happening. It's, it's, uh, it's discouraging to me. It's frustrating to me. And sometimes I find myself lately snapping. Which is not like me, you know. I'm, I'm I'm a very kind, understanding, and trying to to explain to people. But I find myself so frustrated that I snap, and that's not like me. That's how much frustration I have right now over the state of the industry, and uh, and, and you know, we'll talk a little bit about today about the state legislations that that are, that are having a huge effect. But at the end of the day, if the vendors don't set the price, this is a vendor-led fight. At the, it, it it is. I mean, it shouldn't be up to the vapor to financially fund the fight on a state level. No, I mean, you don't see the mechanics going to their customers asking for money to fund the mechanics lobbyist bill. No. <laughs> it doesn't happen. But it seems like in our community, it you know, it's the the, the vapors are going on about, you know, yes, we're trying to motivate, we're trying if the vendors doesn't do it, if you explain to them that if you don't fight, you're not going to shop with them, then tell them to kiss your ass. There's no shortage of vendors out there. I, I swear. I mean, there's there's no shortage of vendors for you to buy your stuff. Mm-mm. And I'm in the same boat as you. I I said it on my blog the other day. I need I need to change the name of my my blog to the bitching blog because that's yeah. all I've been doing for the last it. month. It seems like it's just complaining constantly. Do it. Advocates and and lack of you know involvement by you know just people and vendors in general. It's annoying. Well, we'll just call it. Uh, I'll call you bitch from now on instead of M. <laughs> so that works out really good because I can rhyme a lot of stuff with bitch, witch, twitch. <laughs> uh, by the way, the phone lines appear to be down. Kevin didn't pay the phone bill once again, uh, I think. So uh, if you're trying to get on the phones, you're out of luck, I guess. The connection was reset. I don't know what that means, but I'll keep working on it and try to get it back on. Anyway, so uh, let's move on to some of the specifics. And I'm going to start, obviously, with Indiana. Uh, another hearing today that was voted nine to zero unanimously. <coughs> this bill in Indiana is um, is very very bad. Uh, somebody asked earlier that could you buy amber juice if this bill passed? No, uh, you might be able to buy it online. I don't know if they're going to do anything with online sales, but to go into a store and buy amber juice, you're not going to be able to. Um, this is a very orchestrated bill that has some of the most powerful lobbies, even more powerful than big tobacco and pharmaceuticals, believe it or not. The proponent and the creator of it is uh, is a gaming company called Centaur Gaming. Um, through some sources that I have talked to, 
Uh, they have spent more lobbying in Indiana than any other interest. That includes big tobacco, big pharma, big anything, right? Uh, they're just a huge company. They're essentially trying to, <coughs> excuse me, they're attempting to legislate the e-liquid business out of existence in Indiana and create a regulatory framework that will allow them to be the sole game in town. So basically what they're trying to do, uh, M, is they're trying to monopolize the distribution of e-liquid in the state of Indiana. Yeah. That They're right, a gaming company? Yes, they're a gaming company. They have a couple of casinos and also some uh, some okay. race race uh, horses, um, some racehorse tracks and stuff like that. But they have ties in with uh, e-liquid manufacturer Monument Vapor. They have tie-ins with uh, the biggest liquor distributor in Indiana, which is Big, Big Red Liquors. Uh, they have tie-ins with security companies. Uh, this this was an organized scheme against Indiana vapors in in the vaping industry simply because they had no representation. Now, I'm not saying that if 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 the vapors had if the if the if the vending industry in Indiana had a lobby representation in place from last year, things would be much much different right now. But yeah. they took advantage that the industry was not organized at all, and they came full attack. And at this point, you know, I'm not saying that the the fight is over with. Uh, you can still contact your reps. You can still contact your state senators, and you definitely can still contact the governor if it reaches to his desk. But it appears that every stage of the game, it has moved and moved and moved quickly with a lot of support. So it's not only that they have, it's not only that they have a bill in place, but they've done work on this probably a year ago, trying to get the support build up. So when it does hit the floors like it's hitting now, these people are just moving it along and along. Uh, so some of the hearing today uh, that 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 I saw, uh, and some of it was was relayed to me by a third party because I didn't get a chance to see everything. But some of some of the questions that was up there, uh, I mean, some of these guys that were actually voting um, for this bill had absolutely no idea what this product is. I mean, they were talking about they started playing a video uh, with. Um, uh, stings that were done in shops and people were mixing e-liquid and they're wiping their nose. I mean, just to, completely took everybody, uh, you know, um, uh, out of out of context. Everybody was just dumbfounded with what happened. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm losing my voice. <clears throat> but um, at the end of the day, the bill is there for one and one reason only. It wants to monopolize the distribution of e-liquid. On a side note, I found out that there is a, another provision in this bill that says that an outside e-liquid manufacturer may be sued if they distribute their product illegally into the state. So if you do not go through their proper channels and your product is being shipped into the state, you can be sued for doing that. So if that does not give a reason for the rest of the industry to get involved to help Indiana, I don't know what does. I'm not putting the sole blame on Indiana right now. I'm putting the blame on most of the vendors there. But it, it's still, at this game, I think we can turn things around if we do get some support and get some professional lobbying representation. You can't fight these people, right? It's like you am walking in and taking the entire parliament by yourself. It's impossible <laughs> for you to win. Yeah, it is. So, especially with, yeah. I read the bill with you a couple weeks ago, <laughs> and that's, I'm still absolutely dumbfounded by some of the requirements that they want. The, the freaking CCTV, Why? The great big security right, doors. Right, 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 right. Make any sense to me? Um, I mean, they're 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 going full balls to the wall with it. Talking about criminal background checks. Uh, what what else? There was this. Uh, I have some notes here uh, from from this guy. This this first guy got up and said, um, you know, they, they, that 
all the everything they're going to implement is going to cost them, you know, eighteen to twenty-four thousand for the for the first year. All that's bullshit. It's not going to cost you anything. You're not going to be able to sell e-liquid Indiana. How many times do I have to tell you? You can't amend and you can't compromise what they're trying to do. Like mm-hmm. one of the compromises was to move the fee from five thousand to one thousand. That's great. Okay, we're going to move it from five thousand. We're going to you know down to one thousand. What good does it do? I mean, first of all, if you can't afford, if you're going to afford a thousand, you can't afford five thousand. Just get out of the business for one. I mean, that has that has literally nothing to do with it. But second of all, they're missing the bigger picture here. Okay, I don't care how much they change and amend some of this stuff, they're not going to be able to sell e-liquid Indiana. Period. Now, <coughs> thankfully, National Tobacco. Well, I feel so bad coughing, but <clears throat> just get out of attack round. National Tobacco was there today, and they spoke. And National Tobacco is against this bill. And National Tobacco has a big lobbyist. If our side of the industry had a big lobbyist, and they could work together to fight this, they do have a chance. But we don't have a representation there, a professional representation yet in Indiana. National Tobacco made a great point that RJR, with 32% of the market, is exempted from the rules. And that's exactly right. The product that RJR sells right now is exempt from the proposed e-liquid um, bill that is sitting in the Indiana floor. Just, be- mm. Just because of the product that they sell. It's a pre-filled cartomizer. So e-liquid does not fall under that category. There might be some taxation on the, on the on, on, you know, per cartomizer price down the line. I'm sure that there is. Uh, RGR is working on that. Um, then another senator, Senator Lenane, uh, stood up and asked, what if we just make it all illegal because nicotine causes cancer? How in the fuck are these people making love? I swear to God. How you, how, how this person voted in uh, when he stands up? And, and this is, you know, documented. There's video. I'm sure there's going to be a replay of this uh, somewhere. But he stands up and says, let's just make everything illegal because nicotine causes cancer. Well, way to go. Way yeah. to go. I mean, go ahead and scare more people in your constituents, uh, Senator, uh, telling everybody that nicotine causes cancer. Uh uh, Brian from Enjoy, uh, he was there this morning as well, too. He stood up as drafted. We will not be able to sell our products in Indiana. Uh, the cigarette likes are not effective uh, in the long term, which we all agree. Um, but it was just like a horror movie. I was watching it, and part of it, what I watched, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was terrible. Um, some of the legislators there were confused if it is illegal to sell e cigs to minors in the state. So they're not even aware of what the law says, yet they're voting on a bill that's directly going to affect the product. Yeah. You'd think that they would have to know a little bit about it first before they can make a decision on it. Our industry got slaughtered there today. <sighs> Our industry got slaughtered. Uh, Monument Vapor was there, of course, the the, the company that's the big talk uh, in Indiana. Um, this, this lawyer stood up and said, the rules are so simple and so basic, it's not like they're taxing the product $10 a bottle, saying that those security uh, company rules are very easy. Uh, of course, Monument Vapor is going to say that because they're behind this bill, right? right. Uh, they even said that they're probably not going to, that, that what, they're, what, they're, what they're proposing is probably going to be way tamer than um, what the FDA is going to require, which I don't believe that for, 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 for one bit, by the way. I don't think the FDA is going to retire security cameras in, in manufacturing of illegal, but whatever, whatever. That's what that's what the Monument Vapor that's what the Monument Vapor a vapor company was saying. Uh, then another lady, I don't remember her name, she popped up and she said that kids are mixing the e-liquid with their alcohol to increase their buzz. I, I've never heard that by, by the way before. Has anybody heard that? Never. Yeah. Not all the years that I've been vaping, have I ever heard anything like that? Yeah, that's the first time I ever ever Anything heard. Anything that I could think of that she's probably gotten confused with is occasionally there's that, uh, what is it that just came out? You can vape your alcohol. 
Yeah. But it's completely different than what we do. So basically, she's saying that kids are taking alcohol and they're putting e-liquid in it to increase the buzz. That would be a kill buzz for me. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Getting a nicotine overdose is like drinking way too much on a really yeah, good night. Yeah, right, right. So the House bill author, uh, you know, at the end said that this, this compared it to what the feds may do, uh, but it's all totally minimal. I don't know how totally minimal. This is a clear attempt. I, I'm, I'm shocked. I'm re- I really am shocked that this is being allowed to continue up to this point. Uh, after we know who's behind it, we know everything that's going on. I mean, there should be at least a lawsuit here somewhere. Um, the vendors should get together and get legal counsel to, to attack this. Everybody knows what's going on, except obviously the people that are voting on this, or they know, and, uh, and you know, they're on the take as well, too. Uh, big, big slaughter in, in, in Indiana today, um, and it's not going to get any better. No. The, the pe- people are telling me to fight. I want you to continue to fight. I want you to uh, reach out to your senators, if you're vapors, if you're vendors. Uh, it just seems too grim, in my opinion. I think this is a predetermined out, uh, out um, output. And I think that the decision has already been made in Indiana. They have so much power and so much lobby money that this is going to pass. Yeah. <coughs> it's just going to, it's going to, it sets the precedent for all yeah. the other states. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it is what it is, but Indiana got to wake up. We have to get professional lobby representation. Um, I just don't know how else to, to, to solve this and how to save this at this point. I wish we had it in place ahead of time. Uh, let me move on to another bill that's, um, that's catching a lot of steam, and that is, of course, the Illinois bill, HB 2404 and HB 3362. This was brought on by... Um, What's her name? Kathleen Willis, Democrat from the 77th uh, District. I saw her picture today. She looks like she hasn't been laid in 17 years. She really (laughs) needs to get laid. Uh, But uh, State Representative Kathleen Willis, she introduced the bill. Of course, uh, one would be uh, tying it into the Smoke-Free Air Act, which will essentially ban vaping everywhere where smoking is banned. And in turn, probably shops as well, too. You will not be able to test out e-liquids, which is really bad. And then second of all, uh, HB 3362, that creates the sale of flavored electronic cigarettes and flavored cigarette liquids pro- uh, prohibited in the state of Illinois. So essentially, banning the entire industry through one bill. Yeah. Um, again, there in Illinois, very, very poor representation. I talked to Kurt from Cloud Chasers and Corver. It's kind of funny that I'm reaching out to, to Kurt. But, you know, he, he actually seems really interested in helping. And he has probably done more than a lot of the other vendors that I've seen in Illinois lately. Um, Vicky from Signots has done a wonderful job trying to get the vendors organized there, uh, trying to create a Sfada, uh, Illinois chapter, uh, which has gotten little, little steam there in, in Illinois. But seriously, it should be so many big vendors in, 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 in that state. You know, we, we definitely have a lot of power. I don't understand how we can't get them together. Em. How can you not get a hundred vendors together? Uh, put a couple thousand dollars in. You know, we have $200,000 budget. We have a lot of power at that point. Yeah. Why is it so hard to get them together? I don't, I honestly, I don't know. It doesn't, to me, it doesn't make any sense. I don't understand why they're so against pretty much working together. I know it's a competition thing, you know, but still, if they've given up so much to create a business and they've done well and they've flourished, there's got to be extra income that they've been making to put towards better advocacy. 
Uh, I, okay, the phone lines are back up. I see now. If you're, I see that there's two or three phone lines uh, on hold. If you want to participate, please press one uh, with any questions or comments. I, I guess Kevin heard me and PayPal the bill at Block Talk. But <laughs> um, I see that Stefan said that Illinois chapter is ready. Yes. Okay. Okay. It's yeah. It's finally formed. My point is, Stefan, that if we had a lobbyist in place in this state from last year, all this would have been avoided. If not avoided, they would have been able to sit down on the table and request something for our industry as well, too. You know, we're trying to be retractive here. We should be proactive on this on this stuff. I mean, it's clearly what, what's happening and how much money is being spent on these states that don't have any representation by the opposition. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It should have been started a year ago as well, too. How are we going to correct it now? How are we going to correct it now when the bills are already on the floor? They're picking up the steam. They're getting the support that they want. And and now we're asking for vendors to wake up. And, you know, I'll be honest with you. I've seen this this response by some vendors. They're like, ah, oh, somebody else will do it. Yeah. I swear, somebody, I've heard vendors say it. Oh, somebody else. I can't afford it. Somebody else will do it. Somebody else will save the, the industry. Don't worry about it. You know, I mean, deep down, I know this sounds like really bad, but deep down, I want one of these bills to pass because maybe that will wake them up. But the yeah. bad thing is, on the other hand, I feel really bad. I feel really guilty saying that because if it passes in one state, then it's going to be a trickle down, you know, to the other states. Go, oh, yeah, Indiana did it. Let's yeah, do it over you here have to too. think about how many people, potential, you know, smokers switching to vaping are going to be affected by it. Right, right. So it's going to have its negatives, but I kind of I kind of agree with you. Something's got to happen to kick these people these people up the ass to get them to start moving a little bit more. And, and, and I'm not and I'm not and I'm not trying to be you know the Russ of of, uh, of, of vaping. I think Russ does a great job being Russ. Uh, but Russ Russ talked about it about the hearing that happened the other day, where only two companies showed up in the New Hampshire meeting, and uh, and Mad Vapes was one of it. Uh, and I'll play I'll play that clip a little bit later on, uh, and not say for work obviously. Uh, before I get to that, all right, Illinois. Uh, has this final chapter? You can search for it on Facebook. You can contact Vicky from Signal. You can co- contact Kurt. See, I'm giving you two choices. If you are a vapor, a mainstream vapor, contact Vicky at Signal. If you are a cloud chaser, contact Kurt. There you go. Both sides are happy because both of them are trying to do the right thing. So if you're not comfortable with Vicky, contact Kurt, and both of you will give you the right information on on how to proceed and who to contact now. Of course, Casa has the calls to action on there. Uh, and, um, and you can get in touch with them. 571, you're on the air with Smoke Free Radio. 571. Well, I guess they changed their mind. They didn't like your voice, Em. I'm sorry. Yeah, you need to change. <laughs> uh, I, see where it says, it's, I see where it says this is silent in Illinois. I can't see how it's silent. Vape Bash is getting ready to be had over there. Uh, you know, I mean, we're, we're having these great events. We have these great events. Cisco, I'll bring you in here in a little bit. We can talk about this. I really want to talk about this. I'm going to bring you in here in just a second. I see you messaging me over there. And uh, and I know you hate typing, so I'm going to bring you in, and we can t- discuss it here with them. But how can it be silent in a state that has vape bash, that has, you know, all these big events that happen over there? How can it be silent in this state? How can me in Bumblefuck, Tennessee know about it, and the vendors in the state and the vapors there don't know it to get organized and get and get and get something going? I don't get it. Am I am I that? I don't know. Am I that naive? Em? Am I that naive thinking that everybody's going to have that same? I don't think it's. I don't think you're naive. Sorry. At all. I think it's mostly, and I hate saying this, but it I, to me it's the reality of it they're in it for the money and they don't give a shit about anything else they're going to make their money and once it gets shut down they'll fuck off and go do something else all right let's see if we can get 570 571 you're back on the air with smoke Free radio yeah i just wanted to ask you if you hey. can you guys recommend a uh, a good uh, you know 
piece of equipment to vape with that you can actually vape dry herbs in? <laughs> no, no, we cannot do that. That's the wrong show. <laughs> but thanks, thanks for your call, though. We appreciate it. <laughs> that was odd. <laughs> that sounded familiar, too. I don't know. That sounded, that sounded, that sounded pretty good. All right. Uh, <laughs> John, was that you? Uh, all right, let's move along. I got, I got, I got a lot of things to get uh, to, to get to cover here. All right, Pennsylvania. Now, this this state is close to me as well too, uh, because I have one of my favorite friends who's a vendor there, Chris Hughes with Fat Cat Vapor Shop. He's an extremely talented guy and 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 cares very very passionate. Uh, he's very very passionate about the community. So uh, listen What's to this piece here. Products. Fox forty three's Melissa Nardo shows us why the governor says it'll help the state and why those in the industry say it'll push business out of Pennsylvania. Craig Emig is the revenue operations manager at the Smokers Outlet in York. He says the tobacco industry is an easy target when the state needs more tax money. But he doesn't think it makes sense. It seems counterproductive because if people can't afford to smoke or use tobacco products, uh, you know, they're going to quit. They're going to find alternative ways, which means less revenue for the government. Governor Tom Wolf has proposed raising taxes on the tobacco industry. He projects two separate taxes would generate more than $400 million for the state. First, the cigarette tax would increase by $1 per pack. A new 40% tax would also be imposed on the wholesale value of all other tobacco products. This would include products such as e-cigarettes, loose tobacco, and cigars. I can't emphasize enough that, that people have to look at our tax plan as a total tax package. We are rebuilding our public schools. We are rebuilding our business tax climate. People that are in our industry that are close to, you know, state borderlines, uh, it's going to affect their business greatly. I mean, people are going to drive 20 miles to save, you know, $15, $20. Like many customers, Todd Horner and his wife roll their own cigarettes to save money. If these tax increases happen, he says he won't save any money at all. If the, if the cigarettes ain't going to kill me, the prices will. I'm Alyssa Nardo, Fox 23 WPMT. The changes, of course, would still need approval. See, and here's the problem that I have this. When we were in, in, in Tampa, the Americans for Tax Reform, Paul Blair, was there, and he talked about why the, why the tobacco smokers are taxed so much. Now, listen, you know, when, when, they first came up, when they first came up with the tobacco tax, right, uh, they implemented it as a way of public health. You know, we need to do something with public health. We're going to put a tobacco tax on this product because it's causing so much harm. Yeah. The smoker, though, automatically kind of gave up, especially back in the 80s. They figured, I smoke, I do something bad, it's going to kill me, I'm going to pay the taxes. And nobody opposed it. And since the government saw that there's no opposition, um, they started using these funds for other reasons, to build a school, fix prisons, you know, supplement their budgets in some, some way or fashion. And every time they had a shortfall, well, where are we going to get the money? Well, let's go, ahead and, uh, let's go ahead and tax cigarettes another dollar. They're smokers. They're not going to do anything about it. They don't care. And, and let's supplement our income. And that's how it started. The, the, the sin tax on the smoker, the, the heaviest levied tax on any other category in the last 20 years, right? 193% increase in taxes. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. This well, then, is, you get, then you get public health organizations like the WHO who recommend higher taxes because right. they believe that it curbs people from wanting to smoke, which is it's not true. It's totally, totally proven not to be true. Yep. So th this tax basically would impose a 40% tax on wholesale value of tobacco products. It's going to drive the price of e-liquid up, and this has to be opposed. Once again, Pennsylvania, no organization at all. Now, they do have Bill Godshaw there to, yeah. to, to, give, you know, to give full credit. 
Uh, Bill Godshaw is in that, that state with Smoke Free Pennsylvania. But as far as a lobby representation or, or even association to represent the vendors, nothing. I know Joe Barnett is trying to work with Chris Hughes and Cynthia to get something started over there, again, with the local SPADA chapter. Uh, I think an association is needed, and it's needed desperately in the PA there. So I hope, I hope that um, that they do step up and do this because Pennsylvania is another one of these states that can set the president. I mean, if they do this there, taxes will fall in all the surrounding states, and everybody that wants to be like PA. Yep. There's absolutely no proof, especially after the uh, the reason. I don't know if you, you you read this in Reason today, which which confirmed that the study. Uh, that was done uh, in 2014 on the secondhand uh, vapor showed that it's uh, no risk. Even in some cases, the vapor, you know, they tried blue e-cigs and they tried, <coughs> excuse me, sky e-cig, I think, per, on this study here. Yeah. Uh, but, but it showed that it's pretty much like our normal air that we breathe. That's the result that they found, right? So right. My, my case has to be with these regulators. If, if you're going to impose a tax on this product, I'm not saying that it's safe. I'm not saying that it's harmless, but if you're going to impose a tax based on a health case, then you have to base it on the amount of harm that it's causing. So if we're paying $100 right now in, in tobacco tax and you prove to me that e-cigarettes are 99% less harmful than cigarettes, then the tax base should be 1%. Pretty much. So we should pay $1, right? Yeah. Unless they can prove to me otherwise, but nobody has been able to, to prove to me that e-cigs cause harm. No. Granted, they're not harmless. Again, I'm not saying that. Nothing is harmless. But based on the science that we have so far and more that's going to come out, they can't prove that. But they need the money. They need the money because people couldn't smoke it, which is a great thing. And instead of being, you know, um, applauded, uh, (laughs) instead of it being rewarded and and commended, (coughs) what are we going to do? Tax it. Tax it. Lastly, I want to talk about Texas before we get into the EU stuff. Uh, SB 97, another horrible bill. Uh, SB 97 would require you to be home to sign for all deliveries through the Internet orders. Uh, that adds $6 per every order that you get, you know, immediately increasing the price of e-cigs. It also puts vapor products in the same classification as tobacco. I don't have to tell you why that's bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and could require the local vape shop, uh, vape shop to shut down if it's within 1,000 feet of a school or a church, which is ridiculous. I mean, it's, how many C stores are within 1,000 feet of a church? What the hell? What the, yeah. te- I can understand the school, but the church? What the, what really? the hell is Texas? What the hell, te- this is supposed to be like, you know, guns and, and, and cowboys and, and freedom. What the hell happened, Texas? And what happened with the separation of government and church? Oh, my God. I don't know what the hell happened there. I mean, I think that this will not fly, but just in case, you need to find out who represents you in that state, and you need to contact them and tell them that you oppose SB 97. You don't support it. You want to get it voted out. And also contact the governor there in the state. If he believes in free rights of the citizens of Texas, he must oppose this. I can't believe this is happening in Texas. What the hell happened? It's Texas. Let me bring Cisco inside here because he has some some things to say. <laughs> he has add people to this call. Let me bring my good friend Cisco in. What's happening? All right. It's just scaring everybody away tonight, aren't I? I know. I know. Hey, Cisco, what's up? Uh, who's calling? Uh, hello, this is the Dry Herbs of America. Do you have a good device that I can burn my dry herb with? Yes, I do. Yeah, I bet you do. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> no. 
Cisco from everywhere. I see you. I see you typing there, and and I know I know you hate typing. So come on in, join the conversation. Okay, I have nothing good to say. <laughs> uh, you always have good stuff to say. We might not agree on it, but I certainly respect your opinion. It's not good news. Yeah, yeah. So tell me, uh, tell me we're fucked. I know that. I, you don't have to tell me that. That's. I think we've concluded that. I think we should all donate to Link's old study and just call it "We Were Vapors." Yeah. Or we can we can fund a new study for Link Williams and call it "We Are Fucked." That'd yeah, be a, that'd be a good too. documentary. That that documentary would actually draw a lot of people to see it. I think. Only if you gave away free stuff when yeah, people donated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's talk about the state thing that's going on over here. And I see you typing in here your your frustrations as a vendor as well too. So you know, based on what I'm seeing here is is what what you're looking for is a clear org that vendors can donate in their own state to show that the money's going for good, right? Yeah, I mean trying to trying to create an organization, you know, a national organization is not going to happen. It's too big, you know, to get thousands and thousands of vendors right. to all unite and donate to one big organization. Mm-hmm. Each state needs a lobbyist and, you know, a clear-cut organization to handle that. And it's, you know, now you have 50 smaller packets you could deal with rather than one giant one. I mean, they all could operate under the umbrella of a national organization, but it just needs to be done on a state level. Well, that's what and I've been saying for the past year, Cisco. Thanks yeah, a lot. I, well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> a lot of people are jumping on board now, and, you know, for the most part, uh, it's late. It's too late. You know, I'm I not agree. saying stop what people are doing. We should push harder now, but it's, you know, we're at that tipping point. New York, New York is a prime example, right? Oh, that's God, your state. Yeah. That's your state. I mean, states like that in California. Oh, sta- oh, oh. It's not my state. I just live here. That's right. That's right. You (laughs) live in that state. You used to live there. (laughs) I mean, give me that. It's M's fault. That's why she left. She left because they're going to ban e-liquid in New York. That's what she said earlier. I mean, the cigarette tax in New York is $4.35 a pack with an additional $1.50 a pack in the five boroughs. So that's $5.85 a pack. Do you know what the percentage of cigarettes sold in New York are, are illegal or counterfeit? What percentage? 60. So and how if they much raised a pack of cigarettes there now? Uh, it's like twelve, thirteen dollars in New York. God. And outside anywhere else in New York State, it's probably around ten or eleven. Mm-hmm. And if they raise the tax, that sixty percent of illegal cigarettes will become seventy-five. Yeah. So yeah. they'll make less money, or they'll make the same money. But it's easy for them to sin tax right. stuff like that because right. nobody's going to argue. Right. None of the and, smokers argue. That's exactly what Paul well, Blair said. The problem Nobody. is that you know what's the percentage of people that smoke in this country? Fourteen. So we have 86% of the people against us and every politician. So it's an uphill battle. Mm-hmm. You know, no matter what we try to do with vaping, we have 86% of the people against us to start and every politician on the planet yeah. except for a handful. Yeah. I mean, it's a battle and nobody seems to want to get together to, you know, to put up a good fight. If if uh, I saw I saw in part of your message where you talk about the politicians that they're not stupid, you know, they were proposing. No, they're not stupid. You, you know. know? They're, 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 yeah, let's let's make Let's make a regulation for a 500% tax on every bottle of liquid and uh, 95% wholesale tax. And then anything less than that, they'll be doing us a favor. That's yeah. sort of that bill in Indiana where they was going to yeah. charge about a $5,000 a year fee and they right, got right. it knocked down to 1000 Right. You know, so, yeah, and that, that's a perfect example. They shot for the moon, and we gave them a little bit. Well, they get them to allow it us a little bit, and it all looks good on paper. Right, right. I, I, I think that's that's perfect analogy for Indiana. That's what I was trying to get to later, because I heard some people saying, "Well, we have some amendments in." Well, I don't care what amendments you have in; you're still not going to be making e-liquid in Indiana. Period. Right. 
So right. I don't think that you won by saying, you know, this should have been caught and stopped at the first committee if we had the proper lobbyist in place that's going to represent the industry. At this point, yeah, it goes to We Are Fucked Part 2. It's, it's done. I, pers- that's personally my opinion. But and it's really time to buckle up and do the right thing, and it's still, it's just really hard to get organized, you know, and there's a lot of animosity and personalities between vendors, and, you know, the little guys think the big yeah. guys should foot most of the bill, and then there's the people who say, yeah, someone else will take care of that, right, and right, sort right. of want to, you know, ride the wave, someone else's wave. Right, right. It's just hard to get everybody together, you know, and any vendor that gets involved. If I get involved in anything in New York, there's going to be animosity or personalities where people might not want to get involved because I'm involved. Right, right. So I can't do anything. Right. It has to be like an outside person who's not vested, you know, like yourself. That's why you do very well. You know, you have no vested interest. No, I don't own a company, even though I work for, for a company. But, right. uh, but most, of, most of my passion in Tennessee came because I knew what was coming. And I think we proved, we've proven what we've done in Tennessee that the model works because we caught a bill yeah. this year. If we didn't have a lobbyist in place, RJ, RJR, Nathan, Nathan Moss, which is the, the lobbyist for RJR here in Tennessee, would have came in and just wiped us off. But right. he knew it wouldn't pass because we do have the representation, and I think that's what they've seen in the other states, and they're attacking. But I'm not saying it to, to, to you know, sometimes when I say that, people say, oh, you're better than everybody else. No, I'm not better than you. I'm just trying to help. I'm giving you the model for the Tennessee Smoke First. I'm volunteering my time. Right. Here's the template. Take it in any other state. Some states have taken it up. Some states have not. I'm volunteering it because what else are you doing? Whatever you've been doing so far hasn't fucking worked. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's too many choices. You know, if you're not completely educated on everything that's going on in all these different organizations um, and don't have the time to figure all that out, you know, you might have a handful of money and you just don't know where to put it, so you right. don't. And I can see that, too. Right, right. I'm not even, I don't even really know everything that's going on. I try to keep an eye on it. Um, but still, you know, where do you put your money where you're going to get the best bang for your buck? You know, you can't walk into Best Buy and buy a TV without doing any research whatsoever. Right. You'd be overwhelmed, and that's kind of what's happening here. Right, right. You're going to walk out of there with a TV that you probably didn't get the best bang for your buck because you didn't know any better. Right. You know, when I was down at the advocacy session Friday night, uh, Cisco, I was kind of monitoring the whole uh, discussion. Uh, then when we had the Q&A session, I swear to God, this, this, this lovely lady stands up. She's there with her husband, and um, she, this is exactly what she said. This is her exact words. Uh, I operate a vape shop for a year and a half in the greater Orlando area. Uh, my husband left his corporate job, and, uh, and you know, we opened up this shop, and we dedicated our lives to it. And uh, this is great for me because I didn't know none of these organizations existed. Uh, what was that one she says there with, that started with a C? And she was talking about Casa. And all of a sudden, you saw the entire panel, including me, just, just grinch. I mean, we're like... Oh my fucking! Did she just say she's been operating a shop for a year and a half and she doesn't know who Kasai is? Are you kidding me? But that is the reality. This is what we're faced with, and and I guess we I guess we don't have the power or the money to reach out to people like that that might not get on the internet. You know, I mean, she doesn't know what Kasai is. I can imagine what she's selling in her shop, but that's a different story. But we don't have the power to reach those smaller vendors and, and get out and, and try to educate them and get them on board either, Cisco. We don't have the money or the PR. Well, that's where some money should be spent is yeah. the education of, you know, other vendors. Because there are vendors out there in brick and mortars that have no idea what's going on because they're not on the computer. Right. You know, and even your show and all the other shows and social media and the forums, they all, it's just a bunch of people saying the same thing to each other. Right, right. You know, and it doesn't ever get out of our little bubble. And that's like, that's the biggest problem. 
Well, I'll so. get on. Uh, I'll get on uh, XM Sirius if you sponsor me. Be sure. like Smoke Free Radio brought to you by Avid Vapor on tonight's <laughs> XM. <laughs> Let, let's get it on. Uh, you have to give me two percent equity in your company, sir, before we ever entertain anything like that. Two <laughs> percent equity in your company. Sick of that. Sure. Right. I'll have the documents drawn up, my friend. Uh, how are things in New York? Have you seen any kind of movement? I know that Indiegogo campaign is not doing very well. I don't know how much money is raised so far, but not really. Um, any any other kind of movement? I mean, we're talking. We've talked about Illinois. We've talked about. Um, it's sort of stagnant right now. Right, I mean, right. People are scrambling to try to get money together, but for what? You know, it, there's no clear cut. You know, let's donate money and fight the regulations in New York State. Yeah. Okay, that's about as far as it goes. But what are you going to do with that money? Yeah. Hire a lobbyist, you know, with a couple thousand dollars. Yeah. And educate that lobbyist on what needs to be done in a couple of weeks. Yeah. I, I, you know. Yeah. I, yeah, I guess. I mean, see, it's hard to get the vendors together, you know, because there's a lot of animosity and some guys making more money than others. But, you know, if you look at New York State as a whole and figure out how many vendors are in the state online and retail, I, I couldn't even imagine what that number is. And started to do some math. It'd be very little bit of money from each vendor if they all it only works if they all contribute i think every vendor even small or big can donate a couple thousand dollars if you even if you have it, might, it wouldn't even be that much yeah it wouldn't, it wouldn't be that much for it sure it could be you know a hundred dollars a month if every vendor per state donated to that, one yeah, organization yeah. that was going to control a lobbyist and you know act as a uh, an industry organization for right. that state be very little amount of money the problem is that you know, if there's a thousand vendors, you'll get six. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then when there's a hearing, you get none. Yeah. I mean, I was at two New York City hearings, and they were, these were New York City um, regulations. And I'm not in New York City, so they really don't affect me. And I was there, and there was a couple of them. I was the only one there. You know, and I know seven or eight vendors in the five boroughs, and none of them were there. And I don't get that. I don't. I don't get you it. Know, I can't make it to everyone, but I make it a point to do what I can here in my own state. You know, but I don't know. I'm disappointed, Cisco. I'm frustrated. I'm ready to give up. I'm ready to go back to natural American spirits. They were easy. Never had any drama. Never had to travel anywhere. Never had to sit in a room with about a thousand other smokers. It was great. Had my privacy. Nobody bitched at me. Right. It was good. I mean, imagine if, you know, how many vendors do you think are in New York? I mean, I don't even have a clue. I- I'll tell it's you that. It's got to be hundreds. There's no, be no, it's got to be more than that. Yeah? Oh, yeah, for sure. Online online, and brick and mortars? Yeah. Oh, it's got to be at least 400, 500 vendors. Buffalo alone, Buffalo and Niagara Falls, that area around there has 100 shops. Right. Rochester, if you put those areas. For- I mean, just think, if you had 500 vendors in New York, brick and mortars and online, yeah. and they all gave $100 a month. That's more than a half a million dollars a year, and it costs everybody a hundred bucks a month. Yeah, but everybody has to participate, right. or a majority of people right. have to and participate. They can afford that. Right. But the I don't problem is, is that they say oh, we we don't we don't have the money because that's what they come up with. I hear it from vendors over here. Yeah, the problem is that everyone has to be part of it, or a large percentage for it to work. But I mean, you know, who? What vendor wouldn't give a hundred dollars a month? That's you know, that's nothing. I think I think it's lack of organization as yeah. well too. I mean that that has a lot to do with it, you know. Yeah, it's more you know what am I going to get for that money? What are you guys going to do with right, that money? Right, right, right. You know you can't create an organization based on what you're asking people to give. You have to just have it done and in place and show them that it's there and 
this is what we want to do with it. And if everyone donates, if it works. If they don't, it'll fall apart. So it's uh, uh, it's uh, doom, doom and gloom. That's 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 what I've decided. Yeah. Now I'm gonna go back and build me my uh, 18 uh, battery 18650 mod and uh, blow some clouds. Make me feel better. Let me go get a pack of Marlboro. <laughs> hey, hey, Cisco, thanks for joining in, and uh, thanks for your thoughts, buddy. Always appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for the call, buddy. Thanks, I appreciate brother. it. Have a good one. Cisco from Avid Vapor joining us, and and he's right. I mean, a lot, there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of uh, there's there's a lot of mistrust among the community as well, too. Am I mean, you've seen you know how many people have you know taken advantage of the situation, right? Yeah. Uh, not only from you know from you want to take we are vapors you want to take uh, uh, the modders out there that have taken money and they're delivered on product advocacy associations that have popped up and taken money and done nothing with it uh, yeah. scientific studies that have raised money have done I mean you can go on and on there is some distress among the vendors the vendors that are involved in the community that have seen the bad stuff along with the good stuff and of course you have that 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 part of the industry that has absolutely no clue. Um, you know, what size, which is a scary thought. I think that's probably the biggest problem that we have in the vape community in general is the vast majority of them simply just don't know what the hell's going on. Yeah. Yeah. They have absolutely no, no idea what's going on. It, it, I saw Jake posted this photo on Facebook. There's three organizations in Texas right now, Jake, three. And none of them are working with each other. I spent a lot of time with the Hicks home guys down in Tampa. We actually went to the casino with John H., uh, and the rest of the crew. And John was telling me it's the same thing. He's like, man, everywhere you turn, everybody's trying to do something and nobody's doing actually anything. There's animosity between the vendors down there as well, too. There's a lot of drama, a lot of cockfighting. So, you know, unless somebody that's neutral steps up and tries to organize everybody under one umbrella, even if you have three different groups, you're not, gonna, you're not going to accomplish anything. You're just spreading the money thinner and thinner than it already is. Yeah. Uh, well, ultimately, with no result, and, uh, and and that's a bad thing. Creating a spot of chapter, ch- creating a state association and a vendor association, all within three months of each other, just confuses the hell out of the vendors and the vapors as well, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and Stefan put it right: lack of communication. You have to collaborate be- between these 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 groups. Oh, no, I'm glad to see Sfada, uh show up as well, too, Jake. I'm not I'm not I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that it confuses vendors as well because I did hear it from John. Um, If a vendor, if a vendor's looking at this organization, and then the next day another organization comes in, and he's like, "We already gave money to the other organization." Now he thinks, "Oh, what the hell? Hold on a second. Where did I give my money to? Is this the valid organization, or is that the valid?" You know, it could, just creates confusion among the market. Yeah, it does. Oh, I didn't, know, I didn't know that, but uh, but Cisco is an official board member at Casana. Congratulations. Yeah. Now I got a voice in there now too. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, all right, let's get back to this. I want to I want to play this uh, before we get into the EU stuff. We're running out of time, as always. So much stuff to talk about. Always. Uh, one thing before I play this clip from Rush, which I thought was very very interesting, is uh, I, I have to reiterate: if you have not done so in the Casa uh, webpage, there is a link where you can just fill out your name, your address, and it automatically send to your uh, representative, asking them to push back the grandfather date for the tobacco products. This date is extremely important for a variety of reasons that I want to get into today. I might get into it in a future episode when I talk a little bit more about federal regulations. I just don't do it now because we have to focus on states. But pushing back that date is extremely important. So if you have not done it, the link is there. I'm also going to put it on the um, in the replay uh, description. All right. So in New Hampshire, there was a, there was a hearing 
Um, uh, only two vendors showed up. One of them was Mad Vapes. I don't know who the other one was. Uh, but Russ yesterday, listening to his replay, because I couldn't catch it live, just really triggered inside me what I tried to say, but I try to say it in a more clean-cut manner, <laughs> obviously. But this is Russ yesterday talking about the hearing in New Hampshire. Everybody knew about this for over a month. Big meeting, lots of talk. All this stuff that's going to happen. What happened? Two. Two people testified. Now, how many people testified in favor of banning the bill? How, ma- how many of our opponents testified? Well, they had ten. So the health committee sees that. What is it? Well, five times as many people, and they're probably the. I don't know. I wasn't there, but probably the health, public health assholes as usual, and they take a lot of stock in those people. You need to overwhelm these meetings, and it seemed like it was. It seemed like that was going to happen. They had this meeting. It was all planned. Everything was good. Listen, I got when I when I was when I was listening to this, I was so impressed. I said, "Well, this is a group of people that clearly has their shit together." And I said, well, you know, I was looking to help as much as possible. I'm like, they don't need my help at all. They're good to go. Look at this. They got organized. They're all set to go. They know, they know, they know the links of where to look. They knew everything. And even if you knew nothing or you weren't there, there was a CASA called action on this. I said, so, so two, that's what they got. They got two. And now that people are saying, what the fuck? Why are there only two? All you hear is excuses. Now, listen, I'm not going to be too hard on the vapors. They, you know, you didn't have much more than a week. And, you know, sometimes you just can't get the time off to come to one of these things, right? So I think it's important for vapors to come to these things. And yes, things happen that make it impossible for some people. Who is it not impossible for? It's for the people that own these businesses, the vape shop owners. The only one that came was Mad Vapes, the shop that had the least to lose. And you can come up with whatever excuse you want. I was busy. Somebody called in sick. We're opening up. A, you make whatever You make whatever excuses you want. Because whatever free time you didn't have today, you're going to have an awful lot of it when you're going to have a lot less people coming into your store because you're not able to let them sample the product. Shit, you might have all the free time in the world when your fucking shop gets shut down because you can't keep the doors open because you can't pay the fucking rent. The fuck is wrong with you? This is your livelihood. And you did nothing. So, um, very, very powerful piece there by Russ. And kind of reiterates what, I, you know, what we've been saying here on Smoke Free Radio for all this time. If, if you don't act now, there will be no shop. There will be no vending. There will be no money. There will be nothing. Forget about everything else. You will not have business. You won't have the employees that you pay now that they feed their families and pay their bills through. Everything will be gone. How can only two vendors show up at this hearing, to me, is mind-blowing. It's ridiculous considering how many vendors are in the state. It, it, yeah, it is. It is. But here it is. One more time. If you don't think it's just me saying it, Russ telling you the same thing, that if you don't show up, you will not have an industry. 
Uh, all right, uh, let's go ahead and uh, turn it over to your side of the pond because we do have some interesting developments on that side as well, too. Yeah. Um, one of the first EU member states, Denmark, has decided that they're going to implement um, portions of the TPD this coming November. And this is this is they're voluntarily doing this, by the yeah. way. I just want to put that out there. And this kind of goes. Do you see similarities between the states and the federal government here and what's happening in the EU? So we're not that far, we're not that different as many people might think. No, this not. has not been this has not gone into full implementation. Here you have you know Denmark voluntarily taking a portion of this 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 god awful you know regulation and trying to implement in their country. So carry on. I'm sorry. I keep I keep cutting you off, but you know, I'm just, <laughs> no, I, get, I get fucking upset. You know, please interject because I get nervous and then I don't know what to say. Oh, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> um, when they start doing it, what's going to happen up until November is they're going to have three rounds of negotiations between the politicians so they can decide on the final proposals. And for some reason, politicians in Denmark seem to think that this the TPD is a good law because it's going to it's going to legalize nicotine containing products and ban them from children instead of what the current situation is where NCPs are illegal but still sold anyways. Yeah. Um, e-cigs are going to be included included in the smoke free laws, which means that pretty much you can't use them anywhere. Um, except for you in your private homes and some outside areas, as long as they're not anywhere near a school. This <laughs> is ridiculous. I'm <laughs> laughing. It's just so bad. Oh, well, yeah. Over here in the UK, I think it's October. They've also banned smoking in the car. I want to know mm-hmm. what they're going to start doing when they start pulling over mm-hmm. vapors mm-hmm. for blowing smoke or vape. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the other things that the Denmark has employed is that companies have to create a vaping policy and where, when, and if vaping is going to be allowed. Um, complete ban on advertising, no sponsoring. You can't sponsor a sports club anymore. Um, over here in the UK, a lot of football clubs and rugby clubs are sponsored by, like, Totally Wicked. Right. And I think there's a couple other ones that are doing it too. Right. Um, and another big thing that's going on over here in the EU and the UK is that e-cig products are going to have to be hidden from view and only available on demand, which doesn't make any sense to me because they already do it with the cigarettes. Right. And it's funny when you walk into the into the shop here and all the cigarettes are behind these great big silver um, shutters and then they've got all the e-cigs in plain view on the side. Um, the biggest the biggest issue is going to be the restrictions on hardware. No tanks over 2 mil. Mm-hmm. They have to be 100% leak-free. The filling mechanism has to ensure that there will be absolutely no leaks either. Okay, now this this one's the best one. I've been waiting for you to bring this up. <laughs> so basically, the, the only e-cig that will be sold has to guarantee that it does not leak. Yeah. Obviously, these people have not vaped before. Right. Because I have not found anything that is completely leak-proof. Nothing that actually works, honestly, uh, as far as the e-cig world. Even with some of the advanced, even the dripping atomizers, I mean, they leak yeah. from the from the airflow slot. Yeah, and not only that, when they're talking about the leak-free stuff, right? They're still allowing sale of ten mil e-liquid bottles. What the hell do we need the e-liquid in a bottle for if the if the the unit has to be leak-free? And plus, what is it with this ten mil? I don't get this ten mil restriction. Neither do I. I and mean, I, it's it's like saying you can only have you know. A fifth of scotch, but I can buy five fifths and make a gallon or whatever. If I want to get drunk, you're not going to stop me by limiting the amount that I can purchase. They're not putting a limit on how many 10 mil bottles you can have, are they? 
No, they're not putting a limit on how many bottles you can have. Just the nicotine content, uh, nothing over twenty milligrams. I think it is. So if if unless they've invested in ten mil bottles as a, as a long term, you know, uh, retirement plan, what's the purpose of implementing a ten mil bottle? The only thing that I can think of is the this whole misconceived, oh, a drop of e liquid can kill you thing. Right, right. And a part of the thing when the whole TPD was being introduced, when Article Twenty was um, being discussed, is that. Uh, I completely lost my train of thought, is that they were under the assumption that literally a drop of e-liquid could kill you. And obviously recent studies have shown that it's not quite as serious as they want everybody to believe. Here, here's why I call bullshittery on that, because if a drop of e-liquid can kill you, then they should only sell a drop of e-liquid in a bottle. I mean, if you, you get many drops in a 10 mil bottle. It's the same thing for a 30 mil bottle or a 15 mil bottle. Right. If if their concern is one drop of e-liquid, then they should remove e-liquid. I mean, essentially, they're removing e-liquid. To be honest with you, yeah. I mean, they're claiming the cartomizers are safe, but how many times? I don't know about you guys, but I remember when I was vaping on V two, I get e-liquid in my mouth through the cartomizer if I sucked on it too hard. Well, that yeah. didn't sound that didn't sound good, but you know what I'm saying, right? So even the cartomizer system was not completely leak-proof. So essentially, I think I think what they're trying to do with Denmark is, you know, ban the industry again, just yeah. taking it, you know, on a, on a, just like we do here, state by state uh, association. They're doing the same thing there, you know, country by country, trying to implement the the regulations now before it even becomes, you know, standard in the EU for money. I guess I can't think what what else could be their motive. I can't either. One of the one of the biggest problems that I have with this right now too is that um, Denmark wants every single product. Related to vaping has to be registered. This means every variation of e-liquid flavor. If you have, say, vanilla, and you do it in 60, 40, 50, 50, 47, mm -hmm. or 40, 60, every variation of that e-liquid has to be registered for six months before you can sell it. Well, that sounds familiar. Yep. And they're not allowing any grandfathering of any product previous to 2015. <sighs> um, so, and with the registration... So when you when they implement this in November for six months, vaping is entirely illegal in Denmark. Yeah. There is not going to be a single product on the market for six months that's going to be allowed to be sold. That, that, How many people in that time are going to go back to smoking because they can't get their freaking vape gear? That is that is completely ridiculous. Is there any kind of movement by the vendors? I know, I know the vapors are trying. I've been contacted by quite a few vapors in Denmark as well, too. I mean, I, don't, I really don't know what I can do except bring it up on the show like I'm doing now. But has there been kind of any movement for a legal action or I mean, how can you say that, you know, you have to register your, your product for six months before it goes onto the market? Uh, you know, in six months time, you're probably going to drive, you know, if not half, you know, a large portion of the people that actually use these six dedicated right now back to smoking if they can't get their supplies. Exactly. Exactly. Now, the other thing when you when you brought up the thing about money, uh -huh. the cost of registration Per item, this includes, like I said before, every little variant of e-liquid, every device, even your drip tips have to be registered. $4,500 per item for the first uh, year. How much that. money are they looking at making just from one company alone registering all their products for one year? <coughs> well, I haven't, checked, I haven't checked Totally Wicked's website lately, but they were probably one of the biggest uh, vendors, I guess, in the country there. But I think Totally Wicked has to have at least a thousand SKUs on their website, at least. At least, right? So at forty five hundred dollars a pop, that's a good chunk of change. I, I don't even think Totally Wicked can afford it. 
No, I don't think they could either. And then after that, every year after that, it's fifteen hundred dollars for every year. That oh, great, great. Well, okay. nobody's going to be in business after that, so they don't have to worry about the fifteen hundred. No. No, and then the other great thing about the e-liquid, on top of having to register each variant of your e-liquid, you have to have, um, you have to reg- register each ingredient, mm-hmm. a toxicology report for each variant of e-liquid, mm-hmm. and an emissions report for each one. So add on top of your $4,500 plus the cost of having a toxicology and an emissions report done by an independent lab, you're fucked. Yeah, there's a... You know, I laugh, but, you know, it kind of sounds like what we're going to have to be doing over here with the FDA when we're registering products. Yeah. And, and here it's going to be even more expensive than, than what we're hearing there in Denmark. So if anything, that the vendors here and the vapors here should take notice what's happening there because it's very, very similar to what's going to be happening here. Yeah. Uh, so uh, obviously you have no good news in, in that piece, uh, but uh, Totally Wicked is suing them, right? Uh, the TPD. They're going to the EU courts to try to get Article 20 taken out of the TPD. So, and if they can, and it's successful, and T- the Article 20 is pulled out of it, and it'll have to go back in for, um, you know, obviously for a relook, they're going to try to get a specific uh, regulatory framework for it. And then Denmark won't be able to implement this part. Right. That, that was going to be my question. So if, if they sue and they're able to change it, then what if by that point Denmark has implemented the laws? They'll have to rescind it. They'll have to, they have to rescind it? Mm-hmm. But that puts them in a, in a huge legal um, uh, liability there because if they do have to rescind it, if I was a vendor in Denmark, I would sue the hell out of them for lost yeah. revenue. Yep. So barring, barring the outcome of the, of the lawsuit, I wouldn't do anything. But, you know, I don't run the country, obviously, but I'm just saying that I'm just thinking of it from a legal perspective. I see a comment that says David Dorn uh, thinks that they, that uh, Totally Wicked will win the lawsuit. How far away are they on this lawsuit? Bring us up to, uh, up to speed with that. Um, let me pull up their website real quick. Because uh-huh. I find it really interesting that uh, a lot of people are banking on this on this lawsuit. It's kind of it's kind of disappointing not to see other people jump on board with him and help him out. Uh, I, I mean, I understand what Totally Wicked is doing as well, too. I'm not stupid, stupid. but... Oops. You there? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I got a little um, feedback. Okay, go ahead. Is it better now? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I think... Um, I might be wrong on this, but I think it's going to court in May. Yeah. For some reason, it just keeps coming up in my head that it's going to be in May. It's going to be in May. Yeah. Um. I can't find an exact date for it. That's okay. That's okay. So it's getting close. And when is the when is the Den- when is Denmark uh, trying to implement uh, these these new regulations? November first of this year. Even though they're not legally under the TPD, they're not required to implement them until 2016. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, that is crazy. All right, what else you got from there? That's pretty much it. The only other thing um, was oh, have you did you see that study about the kids buying? Yes, I did. I did. Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts on it? Why don't you explain a little bit of the study, what's going on? Basically, what was going on with it is that um, they took a bunch of kids and said, here, here's like, what, 98 websites. Go buy vape gear. Mm-hmm. And when the kids weren't able to get past, you know, the checkout point, because obviously they don't have credit cards, they're not over 18, right. they were given their parents' information Mm-hmm. And their parents' credit card numbers, mm-hmm. and given permission to buy these products online. Right. And the whole basis of this study is to go, oh my God, kids can kids under eighteen can get this stuff online really easy. So we have to regulate it now. 
So, so basically, they wasted all that money. Yeah. For, for absolutely nothing. Yeah, just to say we need to regulate it now because kids can buy them online. Even though we gave them, my whole thing as a parent, they just they just taught their children how to commit identity fraud. Wow. That that's what I took from who it. Fun, I didn't who funded my, this study? I'm not exactly sure. That'd be something. That would be something worthwhile to to look into. Yeah, I'll have to pull that up. The other big thing over here, um, Italy, with their taxes on yeah. e-cigs. Yeah. Well, um, I think everybody's moved from Italy by the by this point. By the way. Have they? I think a lot of vendors, including Flavor Art, <coughs> I don't know if Flavor Art's planning on moving, but I heard that a lot of the big manufacturers, a lot of the vendors have moved out. They're, I wasn't aware of that. They're going to Bulgaria and other countries that are close to there uh, because the taxes are getting out of hand. Yeah, I think it's something like, uh, was it an additional 40% or something like that? 65% I heard. It's crazy. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It really is. But there's another country that a lot of people smoke and, and a lot of the country depends on. It's just like Greece. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people smoke and they depend on the tobacco tax, uh, especially during the, you know, listen, it's not just Greece that's having European uh, Eurozone problems. Don't believe the bullshit that you, re- you hear on TV. Mm-hmm. Ireland, Italy, Iceland. I mean, there's a lot of countries that are having financial woos right now with the EU. Greece is the worst by far, but the rest of the countries are not that far off. So as people are quitting smoking... The one tax that they have guarantee is diminishing. It's plain and simple. These countries are going to go after these products that are cutting into the funds, especially in Greece, because nobody works and nobody pays taxes. Everybody's, you know, it's, that's just the way it is. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not proud to not to admit it. That's just the way the system is. Uh, but it goes back to what, uh, uh, you know, they said earlier about the taxes. When you raise the price of tobacco cigarettes, people are not going to quit smoking. Uh, in Greece, they'll, they'll buy on the black market. In Greece, their sales tax is 23%. So obviously, people are not going to pay it. If if sales tax in Greece was 10% or 9% or something that was feasible, you would not see the tax fraud that you see now. But mm-hmm. a store can't compete and sell you know a cup of coffee with 23% tax on it. People are not going to go buy it, or he has to cheat the government. Yeah. So it's the same thing, I guess, with with uh, with with e-cigarettes as well, or any other kind of product that brings in so much money. If they see people quitting, Italy is big on vaping. There's a lot of vapors there, even though they don't have any good mods. Just saying, you know, I mean, versus Greece, uh, that was just a little jab to Phil Bissardo, by the way. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's a country that a lot of people smoke, right? So a lot of people quit smoking. The money's going to start coming down. This is the first year I think that both PMI. Uh, Philip Morris International and RGR have admitted that there, there, there's been a decline in tobacco combustible sales. Granted, it's like 0.4%. It's not a lot. I mean, if you if you relay it to cigarettes, it's you know there's some number like a billion cigarettes, individual cigarettes less. It sounds like it's a lot, but in the overall scope of things, it's just a drop in the bucket. It's not that much. Uh, mm-hmm. But it goes to show you how much money they're making per pack of cigarettes that they're selling. So... The cigarettes themselves, the sale is one thing. How much of that is tacked on for taxes that go to your local, into your state, into your federal government? That's the number that we should be interested. Here in Tennessee, $3.12 every pack of cigarettes goes to state and local. So me and my wife, uh, we spent uh, $400 a month uh, on cigarettes, a carton a week apiece. So in a year, we, we, we gave the government, just for smoking, $1,200. Just me and my wife. That's what we. That's our syntax. That's what we were paying to our government to have the pleasure of being to, uh, able to enjoy cigarettes. Uh, for the past four years, we've quit smoking. That's $5,000 that me and my wife have cost the state of Tennessee for not smoking. 
Now, mm. put 300 shops on the board here and put 100,000 vapors in Tennessee. I don't know if that's numbers accurate. I'm just giving you a figure out there. And do the math, right? It's a lot of fucking money. Yeah. You, you don't believe how much money it is until you start adding one and one and, and putting everything together and seeing how bad it is. And uh, it's unfortunate, but it's it's the sign of the times. All right. What else you got? That's pretty much it. That's all that's going on up here. That's pretty much yeah. much. Va- it's been, va- yeah, go ahead. Go, yeah, go ahead. ahead. It's been pretty quiet. We, we, we luck out yeah, um, yeah. in the EU and in the UK especially. Um, for some reason, it's just been really dead over here for the last couple of weeks about just e-cig stuff in general. There's just so much positive stuff coming out too recently, you know, with all the studies that we've had. So it's just been, it's one of those things trying to, trying to pull news out of the UK on e-cigs. Yeah. yeah. Well, here yeah. we're focusing. Oh, I keep getting some feedback from you. Um, um, I hope that's not for me. Is that gone? Yeah. Okay. So uh, here, you know, we've been focusing on the state regulation, but I do want to play this one clip. I'm going to edit all this up and put it on my YouTube from the advocacy session, but I want to do bring some federal stuff up because it seemed Chad Hurry, the attorney, was there. And aside from everything that was talked about in state regulation, he had some stuff to say on the FDA that I, uh, that I feel that a lot of the people that listen to the replay uh, would be interested. Uh, and then I'm going to open up the microphone for questions for everybody that's here. The audio so, is a little bit horrible here, us, sorry. Uh, give us a little update of where we are uh, as far as the FDA regulations and what the future holds. Sure. Uh, well, first, I think this has been a really fascinating discussion on state issues. I've actually learned quite a lot. Um, but what I don't want people to forget about is the big elephant in the room, and that is FDA. How many people here know what the deeming regulation is? Okay, good son. Well, that's really the biggest thing that's gonna come down the line from the federal side of things. Just to give a quick um, overview, just because it sounds like a lot of people may not have, um, may not be. By the way, this room had approximately 100 vendors and he asked, this question was M, how many here know what the deeming regulations are? Uh, about 12 people raised their hand. 12. How many people were there? Well, about, about 100. Oh, about 12 people raised their hand, and that's why he kind of got into a little bit more specifics. I don't know. There's a lot of new vendors that have come, new store owners that have opened up that not might be aware, and that's the reason why I want to play this. I'm familiar with it. In 2009, Congress passed the Tobacco Control Act, which gave FDA the authority to regulate tobacco products for the first time. Prior to that, FDA had no authority over how tobacco is regulated or manufactured and distributed. What that law did is what it, it defined a tobacco product very, very broadly as anything that's made or derived from tobacco and intended for human consumption. Now, how does that apply to e-cigarettes or e-liquid? Well, if it contains, if your product contains nicotine that has been derived from tobacco, as most as all nicotine really is, then it technically falls within meaning of that definition. And so there was a, a case a couple of years ago, about five years ago now, where the court held that, okay, well, you know, basically, if an e-cigarette contains nicotine and it's in, intended for recreational use, we're gonna call it a tobacco product. And FDA's position, which I don't agree with, is, is that that is the law that these products, if they contain nicotine, are tobacco and fall under this regulation. By the way, I, I just again, I'm cutting this in a little bit short. I'm not cutting it short, but I just want to interfere here. Because after in the Q&A session, the eggplant and the the zucchini and the tomato thing was brought up again. And I just we have to, we have to stop saying that. We really have. 
<laughs> to to get the nicotine that's that's needed to fill my K-Fun up, I'm talking about three and a half meals, at six milligrams of nicotine, we need 175 pounds of eggplant. Uh, uh, that's a lot of fucking eggplant. This is just yeah. not financially feasible yet. Yet. And I, I use the word yet because there might be some technology five years from now that's going to be able to, to grow a plant like an eggplant that's going to have a higher level of nicotine than what we're using now. But please stop saying that. And also, let me just interject here real quick to say that not all tobacco plants are used for the extraction of nicotine. The plants that they grow for rolling tobacco and cigarettes is not the same as the tobacco, the nicotine that we use on our e-cigarettes. Our e-cigarettes nicotine is raised from a plant called the rustica. And the rustica grows in China and India, and it yields 17 times more than nicotine than your normal tobacco plant. It's not smokable. You can't smoke it. But that's why they use that particular plant to extract the nicotine that we use in patches, gum, liquid nicotine that we use for, for pesticides or for, uh, for electronic cigarettes, okay? So people need to understand that even the plants that they use are specialized plants that yield high enough levels to make it affordable to put it on the market. All right, continue. Under the law. But while the law broadly defined a tobacco product... Oops, I don't know what happened. I really don't know what happened there. Excuse me one second. Let me see if I can get it back up. Is the big elephant in the room, and that is FDA. Of that. Sorry about that. Oh come on! Don't do this to me now. You're breaking stuff. No, it's. I, I just got this in. And it's raw footage. Yeah. So broadly defined, a tobacco product. It only gave FDA the immediate authority to regulate certain types of tobacco products. Cigarettes, cigarette tobacco, smokeless tobacco, and roll-your-own tobacco. That's it. Those four types of products are what are currently considered regulated tobacco products. But what the law also said is that FDA could deem other products that, are, that fall within meaning of that broad definition of tobacco to be regulated tobacco products. And so that's what FDA finally did last April. They proposed a rule that said anything that yes, falls Jake. within that broad definition of what we consider to be a tobacco product, we are going to regulate and subject to the Tobacco Control Act requirements. Now, those requirements are very onerous. Um, the tobacco companies have struggled in a lot of ways to, to meet those requirements. I don't want to get into the nitty-gritty details. If you have questions about what those are, I can, I can talk about that in the Q&A session. But ultimately what it means, as Greg mentioned earlier, is that these products have been, you know, FDA has proposed them to be regulated products. Once that rule becomes effective, which the good news is it probably will take a couple of years, although FDA has stated that they are planning a final action later this year in, in June. Um, once that rule becomes effective, then all of those requirements that currently apply to tobacco companies, such as product registration, uh, in, ingredient disclosure, testing requirements, pre-market authorization, which is the big one, which means you have to, before you can bring a new product to market, you're gonna have to go through FDA's pre-market application process, which is basically gonna put everyone out of business. Um, all those I like how you're eloquent about that. Eventually. And so, 
the question, you know, again, is the big elephant in the room. What I don't want people to forget is there is still an opportunity to advocate, advocate before FDA. FDA, the demon regulation comments ended in August. Um, the FDA received something like 100,000 comments, many of them from vendors in this community and, and e-liquid and e-cigarette manufacturers, but it's not enough. We need a bigger voice before FDA because it was just a couple of years ago where FDA thought that big tobacco was behind the, the, this entire industry. Um, and it's through the education, through industry associations that have been meeting with FDA that we've been able to educate them that that's really not the case, that this community, this industry is very different from big tobacco. So what I don't want people to forget is that the opportunity is still there to influence FDA. And if we can get that agency to agree and a public health benefit, then ultimately, all the state issues, I think, you know, will, will go away because you're gonna have the federal authority preempt on, on some of these big health-related questions. And so the opportunity exists, you can meet with FDA, you can submit comments to FDA, they've opened, opened up a number of uh, comment periods over the year. I'm helping my clients prepare comments for FDA, and I'm happy to talk more about that. Azim, briefly, just one question, and almost, Every week now, I get one manufacturer. And here, here's the question that I posed earlier. I want to make sure everybody hears about this. This is the question that I posed to Azim about if things remain the way that they are now. A friend of mine or just acquaintance tell me, you know, I just put it in the ISO lab. I'm ready to go. I'm ready for the FDA. Bring it on. I'm, I'm ready to. As the deeming regulations now stand, as we know them now, because we haven't seen the final draft, how many people in the industry do you think can survive? Honest number right now. I mean, I think it, if it becomes, if, it, if the rule becomes effective as drafted, probably just big tobacco. So I don't know. I don't know if that is not telling him. I mean, this is this is an attorney that specializes in the industry and the FDA, right? And I, and I posed that for a specific reason because there were a couple of liquor manufacturers there earlier that were telling me, you know, oh, I just put an ISO lab in in my business and I'm ready to go. You know, I'm ready for the FDA. No, <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> the, F, the the lab is the least of your worries, right? I mean, here you have the attorney telling you that if everything remains the way that it is now, there's only only big tobacco will be able to survive this industry. By the way, this entire portion of the advocacy thing will be edited and put up on YouTube for everybody to listen. I think it was just a great piece. I moderated the whole thing. I was kind of posing the questions to the panel uh, and the rest of the people that were there. We talked a lot about state legislation, which is really important. Um, but to get to the, the nitty-gritty, what I'm trying to get to the point is that even with the state legislation that we're fighting now, I think it is vital to have a lobbyist and tell the lobbyist to use as a strong point that we are pending federal regulation on electronic cigarettes. So why are states trying to implement regulation on this product when the federal law can come as soon as June? Yeah, I hope it doesn't, but every indication is showing that it will come in June, at least the final draft of the regulations, that will su supersede everything that the states are trying to do. We need to use that to our advantage and make sure the they understand. Also, one part that Jake brought up, doesn't the deeming part mean that they have not deemed e as a tobacco product? You're absolutely right. Yep. It has not been deemed. They have the intention of deeming it a tobacco product. But it has not, it has not been deemed a tobacco product yet, which is another great point to use on a state regulation. How are these states, like Indiana, like Kentucky, 
like Pennsylvania, trying to deem this a tobacco product and excise tax it as a tobacco product when we're appending a federal regulation. Wake up. We need to have people in there that are proficient to make that argument for us. We can't make it. They will not listen to us. They will listen to the paid lobbyists, the same people that are using paid lobbyists to pass these laws. And if I have to sit here and say this every week, I will, because I think that is what we need right now. Try to nip everything in the butt when it comes to state regulation and then turn our focus, take these estate associations to go fight the big federal fight when that comes. Now, let me take a little breather here because I'm getting to the to the important part of it. Um, it is my belief. It is my belief. I am not uh, by far any expert. I'm not an attorney. I'm not a, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a lobbyist. But it's my belief that what the federal, uh, what the FDA will do is deem e-liquid a tobacco product first. This is what I believe will will happen, M. I think that's the only thing that they can deem as a tobacco product. There is no way that they can regulate this product in in the initial draft. It's absolutely impossible. Logistically, it's a nightmare. So what they're going to do is deem e-liquid a tobacco product. And that's that might take effect immediately, by the way. And I think the reason why they're going to do that is they're going to go after... Now, now let, let, me, let, me, let me backtrack a little bit so people can understand me. We already have guidelines through the Center of Tobacco Products on tobacco products themselves. We know what these guidelines are based on the available products that they already regulate, which is cigarillos, cigarettes, and cigars. Right? We already have an existing law on what you know, what you have to have on your package, what you can't have on your package, what you have to list and everything. So if they go, if they go and they qualify e-liquid as a tobacco product, we know what the restrictions will be. There will be no cartoon characters. There will be no trademark infringement. There will be no tricks, chicks, you know, sickest tits. There will be none of that on bottles, obviously, right? You'll have to list your ingredients. You'll have to go through a process to have your product on the market. I think they're doing it to eliminate 90% of the companies that are out there. Again, I'm not saying this is what they're going to do, but based on the information that I have and what I've seen, I think this was makes the most logical sense. So if they eliminate 90% of the market out there, that leaves them only 10% to turn their attention to and try to regulate. And trust me, that can happen. It can happen quick. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense to you, Em? Yeah, it does. Definitely. Look at that. I'm giving you advice and I'm even an expert. I just play one on Smoke Free Radio. <laughs> the problem is, is people need to start listening to you. Nobody listens to me. They need to. They don't. But we have it already. We have, we have the guidelines there for the CTP. Why doesn't this industry, since we know we're going to be deemed a tobacco product, there's no escaping that. I think, mm-hmm. can we all agree that? Can we all agree that there will not be a separate category? As much as I want to, and my dream would be to have e-cigs listed under separate category, not tobacco, not pharmaceutical, but a modified risk product, as much as I'd like that to be, it's not going to happen. When is uh, when is the FDA looking at finally actually doing these regulations? My information says spring. That's that's the information that I have. Well, that's what the FDA has, has uh, hinted. Yeah. So, See, I've always believed that between the EU and the U.S. that they, they kind of piggyback off of each other. And I'm wondering if they're kind of 
holding their breath waiting for this whole um, totally wicked thing with the TPD to go through. Because if Article 20 gets pulled out of that, the EU won't classify um, e-liquid as a tobacco product over here. Yeah. Well, that's going to play that's going to play a big role in the in in the states because, you know, got two great big power countries. I just can't see how we can escape that. I mean, just just the fact that nicotine is derived from tobacco, I just can't see how that would be changed at any point now. Yeah. You know, I, I just don't see it happening. But I do believe that there's absolutely no way possible this product to be regulated in the state that this community and this industry is right now. No. It's, it's, there's it's, too much stuff available. There's too much stuff. I mean, they, they hinted in the original deeming tobacco. I just dropped my mod. Uh, in the original uh, draft of the, of the FDA rulings that they were expecting between 25 and 50 applications. I mean... That's ridiculous. 25 and 50 applications? Are you kidding me? I mean, most vendors have 10 times those SKUs in their inventory. Yeah. So imagine how many how many vendors we have and imagine how many yeah. uh, e-liquid manufacturers we have across the state. I mean, across the country. So that is my belief. They're going to deem it a tobacco product. And once they deem e-liquid, specifically, I think it's going to be not the regulations. It's just them deeming e-liquid with nicotine. Obviously, we're always talking about nicotine with e-liquid, by the way. Ah, uh, Shit e-liquid with nicotine in it, okay? Because they cannot do anything to e-liquid that does not contain nicotine. So any e-liquid with nicotine will be deemed a tobacco product. They're going to enforce then the CTP guidelines on that specific product, go after and try to put out of business all these, 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 these businesses that are like promoting to kids or they think, I'm not saying that they are, but they think or they don't fit the existing CTP guidelines, which will eliminate the majority of this industry. And then turn their attention to, we've got, we got a smaller portion of them, and now let's try to regulate it. And whoever makes it up, makes it up. Yeah. Sucks. Yes, it does. Sucks. But it is what it is, I guess. All right, M, that's what I had. And I think that's what you had. And I'm tired. I've been coughing. I'm sorry for everybody for coughing. But, you know, I'm getting sick, I guess. And, uh, um, you know. You need to get yourself healthy. I need to get myself healthy. Yep. Uh, all right, M, thank you so much for joining us, as always. Thank I you look very- forward to our episode uh, next week. Me too. Everybody have a good night, and I will see you next week. Have a wonderful evening, Em. Bye. My bitch. That's her new name. I'm going to start calling her bitch. I'll start calling her bitch from now on. And her new blog will be vapemebitch.co.uk, I guess. <laughs> that was <laughs> That's what I was trying to say. Uh, all right. So that's what I had for you today on Smoke Free Radio. Once again, I hope you enjoyed the episode Um, Cisco is right. You know, sometimes I feel even that we're preaching to the choir. We're, we're talking amongst our our circle, the hundred people that show up here every Wednesday to listen to the show and a couple thousand that download and a replay. I can't give up though. I'm hoping that one of these people that listens to the show or listens to the replay will be able to, you know, give that information to a vendor, give it to a manufacturer, give it to your fellow vapor. Uh, This community was built through social media it was built through youtube it was built from an online community that we didn't have these brick and mortar shops and i think we can continue to do that spread the word if you learned something here today if you found something interesting share it with somebody else and spread the knowledge knowledge is key as we proceed uh, with this big fight that we have lastly you know i've been bitching about the state thing for a very very long time and i don't want to be one of these people that says i told you so but you're seeing now the restrictions that are starting to come down state by state States are trying to take it into their own hands to recoup the lost revenue from people quitting smoking. Make no mistake about it, okay? It is time. It's never too late to organize. If you don't call me to help you, I don't know who you're going to call, but call somebody. 
Call anybody. Call Sfara. Call lobbyist. Hell, who knows? Call Tyrone. Do something. Fight for your right to vape. I'll see you again next week. 9 p.m. Eastern right here on the VP Live Network with Smoke Free Radio. Have a good night.